What a glorious Sabbath. It's good to worship as the family of God. Now, people of Western cultures, and we are people of Western cultures, are used to instant gratification. Our parents and grandparents, they saved money, they waited until they were able to purchase a new freezer or a kitchen, a new bookcase or a dishwasher. But typically, this generation can no longer wait. Today, the latest by tomorrow, the new gadget has to be purchased, the new iPhone, the latest camera, the coolest home entertainment system, the powerful SUV, even if it means to incur heavy debt. Now, when I and my family came to the United States here, we were amazed when we bought our second car, actually. It was a new car. The other one was a used car. We went to the dealer in the evening, and we drove away with the car the same evening that we came to the dealership. We were not used to that. Companies offer us next-day flyers or next-day blinds. Now, shortly before the GC session, we as Biblical Research Institute learned that some divisions, two divisions, had managed to publish our new book on marriage, which we published in English, to publish that in, in Spanish and in Portuguese. So we desperately needed a banner for our booth, advertising this new publication in English, Portuguese, and Spanish. What to do? Turn to sciencebytomorrow.com. Although it took, it took a little longer than tomorrow, we got it in time. Things have to happen immediately. We are in a hurry. And this sounds almost like the Gospel of Mark that we are now going to study. What do we find in Mark? So I invite you to open your Bibles or consult your Bible software, whatever, and follow along. Mark begins with a statement. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is the good news shared by Jesus and focusing on Jesus, the second person of the Godhead. This brief introduction familiarizes us with the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist, verses 1 through 9. And then only three verses are reserved for the baptism of Jesus. And two more verses for his 40-day temptation. Then we hear about his message, the calling of his disciples, and some miracles. This is Mark 1. This is Mark 1, which sets the tone for the rest of the shortest of all the Gospels. Well, the Gospel of John has a number of special feature, features, and here is one. It is the topic immediacy. Now, we will not read through the entire chapter. We, we had a passage that we heard here, a scripture reading, but I would like to focus on a few texts, and you will quickly see what I'm talking about. So please look at verse 10. Mark 1, verse 10. Immediately, coming out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. Verse 12. Immediately, the spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. 
Verse 18, immediately, and we, we heard that in the scripture reading, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 20, immediately he called them and they left their father Sepedi in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Verse 21, it doesn't stop. They went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. Verse 23, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 28, 29, and 30, immediately the news about him spread everywhere, verse 29, and immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And two more places, verses 42 and 43. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. Isn't that impressive? It's really impressive. No other evangelist has a similar feature. Now, this term immediately occurs about 41 to 42 times in the Gospel of Mark, and only about six times in Matthew and three times in Luke and in uh, John. So, this is a special feature. It sounds like rapid motion high-speed action that we have here. So Mark begin, does not begin his gospel with the birth narrative like Luke and Matthew do. He does not begin it with an extensive discussion of Christ's nature as John does. He comes straight to the point. Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ. No debate. That's it. So Jesus is baptized and tempted, overcoming the satanic onslaught. There is not much time. So the public ministry of Jesus, as we know, lasted just about three and a half years, very limited. Some of us work for the Lord for decades already, but Jesus doesn't have that luxury. He doesn't have it. He has to teach, preach, and heal, live an exemplary life, represent God the Father as he truly is, defeat Satan, die on the cross, ascend to heaven after his resurrection, and then he serves at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus has to make good use, good use of the short time he has. So his life was filled with such an enormous task, a task that no other human being ever had or will have to shoulder, but still, that does not mean, and we will return to that, that Jesus was always under pressure and always in a haste. Now, the majority of the texts that we read, so these were 11 texts, contain the term immediately and the, as it refers to Jesus. He sees this Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove follows the prompting of the Holy Spirit into the desert, calls his disciples, teaches, visits friends, heals and charges the leper to keep the messianic secret. But two, you may have noticed, two of these immediacy statements refer to other members of the Godhead. God reacts immediately to the baptism of his son. And three, 
describe the response of the disciples who followed Jesus on the spot, leaving behind everything. They also turned to their master right away in a time of need. And two of the other incidents are that suddenly a demon-possessed man appears and that the news about Jesus spreads right away. So, there is fast pace in the Gospel of Mark. This time immediately does not occur in the first part, in the first four nine verses of our Gospel, where we have the, the story about uh, the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. It is found from verse 9 onward. Jesus is baptized and tempted, verses 9 through 13. Immediately is found twice in the section. Jesus calls his disciples, verses 16 through 20. And again, immediately is used twice. Jesus teaches, heals, and preaches. That's the rest of chapter 1. And the term immediately appears seven times once in connection with Jesus' preaching activity and twice each in the passages about the demon-possessed man, Peter's mother-in-law, and the leper. So this is of importance. The repeated use of the term immediately tells us that for Mark, the entire ministry, the entire ministry of Jesus is placed under this concept of I would say urgency. Urgency did not just occur here and there. His entire ministry was urgent, always, all of the time. Jesus had to make full use of the time and opportunities he had. He had to concentrate on his mission, keep secondary things secondary, and focus on what matters. Pascal said, the last thing one knows is what to put first. But Jesus knew what to put first. And we have to learn what to put first. Now, if you hear about immediately and immediacy, urgency, the question is, why such urgency? And that leads us to verses 14 and 15. We read this, but let me read this again, because verses 14 and 15 seem to answer this question, why such urgency? Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So here is Jesus' own response. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God was the major emphasis in Christ's proclamation. This is the good news. At the appointed time, God's kingdom entered history. And kingdom actually describes the kingly rule of God. It describes his sovereignty, his dominion in the hearts of the people. But this kingdom has also to do with the ministry of Jesus himself. With Jesus' first coming, a new age has come. The good news proclaimed by Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Daniel 9, this prophecy about the 70 weeks. Toward the end of this period, the Messiah would appear. And this is what Paul then stated when he said, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son born of a woman. 
First part of verse 15. The time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. Speaks about a present reality. The second part, the kingdom of God is at hand, is ambiguous. It can mean the kingdom of God has come or the kingdom of God will come. But in its context, it must be understood in the sense that the kingdom of God has actually come. And this is what we find in the, in the Gospel of Luke when Jesus makes it very clear and tells the disciples, behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It is here. It is present as a spiritual kingdom. We do not have to wait for it. Believers are already partakers here and now. So why the urgency? Because the rule of God has broken into our world. A new eon has begun with Jesus. Since the appearance of the Messiah, his first appearance, we live in the end time, not in the last days, but in the end time. The plan of salvation is being fulfilled and will come to a close with all its implication. God is eager to solve the sin problem once and for all. The kingdom of God brings along new blessings, new responsibilities, new insights, and a better understanding of God that allows us to have a more intimate relationship with him. But the kingdom of God has also a future dimension. One day, the kingdom of grace will become the kingdom of glory. And this is what we are waiting for. The rule of God manifested universally, seeing God from face to face, living in the presence of the one that we love. But it's essential, verse 15, to repent and believe, to trust the Lord completely, be fully committed to him. Provision has been made for humans to repent, but there is no time for delay immediately. So what, according to Mark 1, if we look now again at the entire chapter, what, according to Mark 1, does the concept of immediacy mean, and how does it affect us? And I would like to present eight points to you. First, immediacy immediacy has to do with urgency. Jesus calls people to repent and believe. Such return to the Lord and trust in him culminates in baptism and alive with the Lord and for the Lord. Urgency is witnessed when Jesus teaches. He cannot but attend the synagogue on Sabbath. He cannot but participate in the worship service. He cannot but teach the audience. His message is way too important for him to remain silent. And what he does, he does with authority so that people are touched, moved, and make decisions. Jesus is eager to press on and reach others. He does not only want to reach these people in Capernaum, but there are other synagogues. So then Jesus states in verse 38, this is what I came for. Urgency is witnessed when Jesus heals. He brings spiritual healing, for example, the demon-possessed persons. 
He brings physical healings to Peter's mother-in-law, the lepers, and the multitudes. He cannot but care and have compassion on humans, men and women, and restore them. In his teaching, preaching, and healing ministry, the breaking in of God's kingdom is experienced, and it is extended through the ministry of the disciples. Jesus makes them fishers of men, and you and I are included here. One of the persons I studied Bible with, and I had over my career had many Bible studies with people, but there was one person particularly, he understood very well what that meant. Not even baptized at that time, he reached out to others. So one of his friends, he had Sabbath problems, um, I have to say, because he worked for the postal services, and that was very difficult. So one of his friends, and even his own wife, were baptized before he was, so eventually he was baptized. His friend is now ministerial secretary of a union. When we studied, he wrote to the Pope uh, why the church uh, decided to change the day of worship from Sabbath to Sunday, and actually he got an answer, which was amazing. I felt he got an answer, and so was invited to meet with the channel vicar, which is the second to the bishop, the archbishop, in the residence there, and he stood his ground. Actually, I was with him because he asked if, I could, if he could bring a, along a friend, so it was quite interesting. Um, it was for him not just to investigate the issue, but I think it was even a matter of witnessing. He was a person and is a person who meets with political functionaries, business bosses, to share the faith in Jesus. He sits with them during the night in hotels, and he's a very simple man. He loves to give Bible studies to groups of people and lead them to the Lord. And if you might see him, he would show you maybe his briefcase. He has a briefcase there. In that briefcase are the Bible studies. There's a Bible, all what he needs, ready to meet people and tell them about the Lord. Fisher of man. We are called to be fisher of man. Second, Immediacy and urgency have to do with intentionality, with intentionality and setting of priorities. So Jesus' ministry, as we see here, was not haphazard and aimless. Attending the synagogue in Capernaum on Sabbath, he began to teach, the text says, and then he attempted, as we said, to reach other people. While ministry can be spontaneous and has to be spontaneous here and there, it also needs to be organized following a clear plan. And this is what we see with Jesus. He had a well-defined purpose and focus in life from which he did not depart. Due to his divine mandate and calling, Jesus had clear priorities, intentionality and setting priorities belong together. Now, you may have heard about William Carey, this great missionary to India, Protestant, he became very concerned about the attitude of his son. Um, he had the name Felix. The young man, a profession, professing Christian, had promised to become a missionary. But instead of becoming a missionary, he broke his vow and was appointed ambassador by the British government to Burma. So Carey, his father, uh, requested prayer from him. 
for him. And he said, pray for Felix. He has degenerated into an ambassador of the British government when he should be serving the king of kings. Now, don't get me wrong, it's certainly not, not wrong to follow, to, to get involved in a profession in which we find ourselves, but it is more than question, questionable to say no to God's clear calling and pursue secondary goals. We need to have our priorities straight. What are the real priorities in life? What are our, your and my priorities? Number three, immediacy has not only to do with tasks, but has also to do with people. Task-oriented leaders focus on getting things done in order to achieve goals. They often actively work out roles, provide structure, plan and organize and monitor progress. All of this is not wrong. However, because they may not think much about people's well-being, these people may suffer from an autocratic leadership style. Leaders need also be people-oriented, focusing on supporting, motivating, and developing individuals. Mark's report of the life of Jesus portrays Jesus as addressing masses and groups of people on one side, on one hand, but he seems to be more strongly involved, Jesus seems to be more strongly involved with individuals. And in Mark 1, we see Jesus engaged with his heavenly Father in prayer. We notice that he has time for the disciples, the demon-possessed man, Peter's sick mother-in-law, and the leper. They all get a lot of attention from Jesus. Someone has noted effectiveness in ministry and witnessing is rooted in relationship more than in method or technique. So let us not disregard people just to achieve some abstract goals. That brings us to number four. Lesson number four. Immediacy has not only to do with involvement in activity, it has also to do with being. Now let me explain that. It is important who we are not only what we do. Jesus is introduced as the Christ, the Son of God, first, before we hear that he would baptize with the Holy Spirit. He is depicted as God's beloved Son, son with whom the Father is well pleased, before he engages in the proclamation of the good news. He is portrayed as moved with passion before he stretches actually out his hand, touches the leper, and glances him. Elizabeth Ostring writes in Ministry Magazine, pastors interested in the salvation of individual souls rightly encourage their parishioners to become actively involved in gospel-sharing outreach activities. This involvement is not an extra activity that good people do after they have attended to their routine work activities. They care about others, whether they are thirsty or hungry, in need of clothing, health care or comfort, or in need of spiritual food. Their relationship to others demonstrates they are citizens in God's kingdom and reflects their relationship with Jesus. So while doing is important, 
no question about that. And we have activities here in the church going on, and we'll have more probably in the future. While doing is important, it has to derive from being who we are. Fifth lesson, immediacy does not imply undue haste. Now, humans are strange beings. We all are strange beings, aren't we? So while while some of us like to be constantly ministered to and do not want to get involved in any activity, others work themselves to death. How many church workers and church members are overloaded and overworked? And it seems to get worse. More tasks and more appointments are added. The soon coming of Jesus seems to justify excesses in ministry. But strangely enough, strangely enough, Mark 1, with its extreme emphasis on urgency, does not speak about haste, does not speak about burnout and stress. Jesus is not a workaholic. When a little later, in chapter 6, the disciples are so engaged in ministry that they don't, do not even have time to eat, Jesus takes them aside to rest. While we tend to cut down on personal Bible reading and Bible study, on prayer, on human relationships, when, it becomes, when life becomes too hectic, Jesus does the opposite, it seems. He takes time for 40 days in the desert. He socializes with disciples and their families. He retreats to a secluded place to pray. And when pressured by the crowds, which he had met the day before, he remains in charge and turns to others who need his attention more. Although the coming of God's kingdom of grace and glory is linked to urgency, it is not linked to haste. And White wrote, but like the stars in the vast circuit of their appointed path, God's purposes know no haste and no delay. Lesson number six, immediacy does not exclude openness to God's surprises. So when Jesus, when the people here heard in chapter one and saw what Jesus was doing, they talked about a new teaching. It was a surprising teaching with divine authority. Indeed, with the first coming of Jesus, surprises had happened. And one of the surprises was baptism. Now, while Jews baptized those who wanted to become, to join the Jewish people as God-fearers, it was a radical idea to demand baptism also from the circumcised people of God. Baptism was the public acknowledgement that even in the covenant people, that even the covenant people had to return to God. That is radical. On top of this, Jesus, the sinless one, decided to undergo baptism as a sign for us to be baptized. Something new. Another surprise was the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus, making him the man of the Spirit, and prefiguring Pentecost, when all the believers would receive the Holy Spirit in an unprecedented way. 
The words of the Father to the Son, you are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased, are words that to a certain extent apply also to those who follow Jesus' examples. You are my beloved Son and daughter, with, with whom I am well pleased. And further surprises were the enormous extent and the astonishing kinds of miracles. And all of that was topped by the greatest miracle, the resurrection of Jesus. Yet people who encountered Jesus also faced disturbing questions. If God sent the Messiah, why did he not simultaneously eradicate all evil? Why would the Messiah have to suffer and die? Although Old Testament prophecy provided hints, the coming of the new eon brought surprises. And that means the full scenario of events surrounding the first coming of the Messiah could not be worked out before the Messiah actually came. Likewise, a full scenario of end-time events must remain sketchy. There are surprises to come. Now, who would have expected that instead of the coming of the National Sunday Law that we talk about here and there, the church would first be challenged by issues of marriage and sexuality that go so far that they restrict or even destroy religious liberty. Surprises. Surprises, good and bad, have to be expected. Someone stated, believing the gospel means affirming what God does, particularly when our expectations are not met. Number seven, immediately, immediacy elicits a human response. This is what we find with the disciples. It's amazing that they were ready when Jesus called them. Immediately they dropped their nets, followed him. And in an hour of need, they immediately sought the Lord instead of trying other remedies first. You and I are called to drop what is hindering our calling and follow the Lord wholeheartedly and immediately. The existence of the kingdom of God in our time and the soon coming of the glorious aspect of this coming demands a response without delay, a response that entrusts our life completely and without any reservation to the Lord. Followers of Jesus have to repent again and again, even we. We need to admit our constant neediness and dependence on the Lord. By the way, you have a card I think, in your bulletin. And um, if you want to respond to that, there are three questions here, or three statements. I rejoice that the kingdom of God is already a present reality, but will also come in glory. Number two, I have decided to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and, I have, and have my priorities straight. Number three, I would like to get involved in some kind of a ministry. If that touches you, fill out this card. Finally, immediacy means that God intervenes for his people immediately. So Mark 1 talks about immediate healings of people through the power of God. This can and still happens in our time. My mother was miraculously healed from cancer, but 
it may not always happen. I think you have pointed that out in a sermon. Not all suffering and sick people, even in the time of Jesus, were freed and healed, nor are they today. But what will definitely happen is that what happened at Christ's baptism. When we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, he accepts us as his children. When we claim God's promises, such as forgiveness, peace, and many, many more, he grants us what we have requested immediately, not in the future, but here and now. Most of all, his coming and his kingdom is both here and soon to come. So take courage. So let us remember the words of Jesus. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. God's kingdom brings with it urgency, not stress. Urgency to turn to Jesus. Urgency to be and become like him. Urgency to live for him and for others. May our Lord bless us while we pursue his call and his mandate. I would like to pray with you. Maybe you could raise. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the gospel. We want to thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God. We thank you for the urgency that you have to bring to a close the plan of salvation. Salvation. Now, you must be suffering as we suffer, and more than we suffer when we see all what is going on in this world, all this evil that we encounter on a daily basis. And sometimes it's so much we hardly can bear it. But thank you that you are involved in our salvation and that we are looking forward to your soon coming. We want to commit ourselves to you and your rule. We want to commit ourselves to serve and to be a blessing. Amen.